0: Man, I just did this fucking deep dive, and I realized I, like, had the phone speaker off or something. None of the recording came out. <laughs> it was like, let me tell you what the world is really about. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, I just fucking mind-walked, you know, and it's like, that was awesome. And then I realized that mic was off or something that's not nice that wasn't nice anyways um, let's try it again <laughs> this is take two uh, here we go it's, I'm recording this on May 4th 2021 which what would be my father's 81st birthday 81 years young. My father died in 2009. He was 69 years old. Um, Yeah. He was a good man. Anyways. I wanted to go back. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast, that's fine. I'll do my best to uh, review. I mean, who am I kidding? I don't think anyone's listening to this shit. <laughs> it's like, so uh, there's that. Um, <clears throat> um, but, anyways, if you uh listen to that i talk about how i had some weird drug experiences when i was in my 20s and uh i talk about one of them in particular where i was living in hollywood at the time and i was high as fuck and i got into the car and started driving and um i ended up driving like on the 105 or I headed into deep deep uh, south central uh, and that sobered me up because um w- w- when when the brain is in conflict like that if it has something to ban together over it will survive basically so I put myself in peril, essentially, to unite the two halves of my mind that were in chaos as a result of the THC so that I could function, so that I could get home. And it worked. I sobered up. It sobered you up. Um, but there's a side to it that I wanted to sort of discuss real quick that I think is important that I didn't cover in the last episode. And, um... It's hard to describe. And I'll do my best. And I'm sorry if I sound fucking crazy. I don't give a shit. This is how I do it. You know? This is not award-winning shit here. Or not the fucking... (laughs) Renee Brown... Or the Bruce Springsteen talking to Barack Obama about growing up in the '60s and '70s. Oh, man, it's a great podcast, by the way. I'm just me, and I've had a certain uh, breadth of experiences in my 50, almost 51 years, and um, I, I do my best with the tools available. I haven't had the most adventurous or or productive of life. But I have had a good life, and I am grateful for it. And I'm grateful to my dad for it, for bringing me here. Um, uh, How do I say it? struggle to live is different in every person you know for for most around the world it's just a question of what am i going to eat today and am i not going to be killed by my government you know we don't have those issues in america we've got other issues that could kill you but maybe not that obviously um if you're black, uh, there's a good chance that a cop's going to kill you, which is crazy. I think for people like me, if you're white, and I guess, I guess I'm guess i privileged, although I don't feel that, um, what will kill me is drugs or my own advances, I guess, my own addictions. My own hand, probably. You know, or life. I don't know. Indulgences or something overeating. <laughs> you know. And um So whatever. That's that's that. When I was a kid, I can remember being high. And there were two voices in my head, right? And it's classic Judaic neuroses. It's uh, the back and forth, the chavrutah, as it's called within Hebrew. The back and forth discussion of God's word, <laughs> I guess. Um, and when I would smoke weed, that would intensify. So the night in question, when I was at the living at Wilton, and I got into my car, and... Uh, drove I was on a journey I didn't have an understanding of that but that's what it was The much in comparison much the way uh, native culture uh, they do they ingest a hallucinogenic they have a ceremony and then they journey and it's guided by a shaman and they're met on the other side by spirits that guide and offer wisdom um I think what was going on was I was having the same experience, only I was having it in an urban environment without a shaman's uh, wizened hand upon me and uh, try to survive it. Different kind of jungle. And I think that for some reason all of my drug experiences were kind of like that which tells me that, uh, well, this is the type of person that I am. And that night in question was no different. So when I was driving, uh, basically into the most dangerous part of Los Angeles, there was a voice in the backseat of the car that was telling me, go left, go right. It was helping me, it was protecting me. If I didn't listen to it, I would have died. Maybe it was the voice that told me to smoke weed that night that was beyond powerful, that was probably laced with something. Who knows? Either way, I was under its care and protection and at its mercy. So what? So just go with it. And it was very fatherly in its tone. And it was... uh, offering reprimand and punishment, but also advice and love. And I realized, oh, I had smoked all this weed so that I could unlock that voice. A voice that was living inside of me, a voice that perhaps wasn't mine. Maybe it was from another world. Maybe it was local uh, shamanic spirits that had gathered around me Maybe it was impulses sent from the very deep of my own subconscious projecting itself into my reality. I mean, that, after all, is at the heart and soul of the brain, is the subconscious, and we don't have control over that. And it is powerful, and all it does all day long and all night long is think about ways to keep us safe and it does it in a very primal language. I believe that when people like me with my brain chemistry uh, do strong drugs or something or have moments of altered states, uh, we, we sort of create this bridge between the world of the conscious and the subconscious. And we are able to sort of listen and hear to what the subconscious is really trying to tell us about something. And we're able to sort of vocalize it, you know. I think that's what was going on that night. And I've had that same experience over and over again. And the most recent time was uh, at my girlfriend's house in Beaumont at the time my ex-girlfriend and she was gone we had been we got into a fight cause she and she had pissed me off and she left and i just started packing up all my shit cuz i had stayed i was staying there for like a week including my video camera i had my video camera with me and uh i started walking around just her neighborhood <laughs> and i realized this is the same exact state of mind that a drug experience could put me in. Only I wasn't high. I had, I, my body felt like it had been in shock and, uh, I had cried and there was trauma there. And, um, and I was completely split from reality. And, uh, if you if you walk around her neighborhood it's like a planned community and there's points in it where it's uh nature you know what i mean so there's nature trails and stuff and at the time it was still being constructed it wasn't comp- it wasn't fully built and so there there weren't gates around things there weren't fences there was exposed stuff there was massive amounts of, I guess you'd call it, uh, meadow land and things of that nature. And pockets where you could just sort of be alone. And it was actually, is nice. And I had my backpack on. I'm still not well, I can tell. This is the exact state of mind that I was in when I was on drugs and out of my head. And um, I see an exposed drain pipe and it was like, uh, exposed, like it was, um, underground, but it was coming through because it was, it was like a bridge acting as a bridge over this like 30, 20, nah, 15 to 20 foot drop, uh, a ravine and the pipe was over it acting as a bridge and the pipe was about i'd I'd say it was about 20 to 30 feet long and about maybe two feet in diameter so you could walk across it and beneath it is about a 20-foot drop and there's trees all over it's completely overgrown no one can see me there and I say fuck it I'll walk across it and I do and I realize halfway halfway across I look down and I'm like if you fall you're going to die I would have slipped and fell and there's a 90% chance that I would have uh, broken my neck and I realized oh you're doing what you did back in the day, you're creating adrenaline and a, and a, a dangerous moment in your life so that your the two halves of your mind can solidify and protect you, right? It's like accessing a superpower or something. And I sobered up. And I walked safely across, and by the time I was on the other side of the bridge, i was better i was still shaky obviously but i was better and i realized oh you just sort of almost threw yourself to the lions so that you could get better and i think that that's what we do in life particularly um when we do aggressive drugs or want experiences of that nature. And I, I I wish it weren't the case, but and it's not like it goes on all the time, but I think that when people say, Oh, let's go do some acid, you know, let's get fucking crazy, man. Let's go do some X. And I think that's what you're doing. You're creating this sort of adrenalized dangerous moment and can you survive it if you read hunter s thompson which i did if you uh, some carlos castaneda things of that nature Ken kesey you know they talk about the journey i guess and it's very real and for me it's like well it doesn't really I have to involve drug use it just um, it's just a moment in which do you embrace life or death I suppose that was probably the last big one there there have been other moments since then but I don't need to go into and um, I think it's the result of a bipolar mind to a certain degree I'm the first to admit that I have perhaps an unsteady brain chemistry, but also I think what it is, is me reacting to a world that I see is out of balance. Um, a Kayana Scotsy, as it's referred to in the Hopi language and a great movie, by the way. <laughs> um, I think that the human mind uh, is able to, to survive and understand but is at war with the world because the world is crazy and our society is crazy and our society isn't built to handle landfills and things of that nature that pollute and destroy and war and chaos and killing and greenhouse gas and you know, everything that sort of knocks the world out of balance, our mind has difficulty justifying on a subconscious level. And I think a lot of us self-medicate in order to cope with that. And I think it's always been that way. It doesn't have to be. And I think that real human evolution will be determined by whether or not we as a civilization can sort of hold that in one hand and then hold the solution in the other and come together and figure that out. And I think that's why people search for the alternative experience. People are in in, in seeking out of, they're in a state of seeking out the, uh, the heightening of consciousness because they're curious and bored with this reality. I think for me, the everyday pill of that is my me doing exercise and uh, eating cur- a, a good meal and open-miking. These sort of all work in tandem to keep in balance that which I see to be completely out of balance. It helps me cope. And it also allows for a quick, tiny little portal into a higher state, particularly the comedy. If I'm on stage, I'm making people laugh, I'm taking excrement of the world and of the mind, throwing it out at an audience in a playful way, And hopefully, in return, I'm getting laughter. And to me, that heals my spirit and can offer healing to the world. I think that's the grand gesture that I'm after, which is utterly pretentious, but if it's working, you know, you're laughing. You know, why not? I think that the... you know, even that gets corrupted when people think, in terms of their own arrogance and ego and self-aggrandizing nature. That's when that falls apart. And um, so, even even that has to be kept in balance. You know, if you're someone who says, "Well, um, I won't donate to your cause." But I'll bring me, to your gathering and bring the gift of laughter, and that is my, that is my gift, to you. Now give me, a free airline ticket to wherever it is, this gathering is, and I'll wow you with my meanness. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense, but, uh, what was it, uh, Paul Anka? is was known as like the worst uh guy he's all he would do a charity benefit for people and he but he would demand like the the highest payment out of all people who do charity events and demand five star treatment <laughs> you know and it's up to the charity people to make up for it he he wasn't donating his time. He was Paul Anyways, that's a great showbiz story for another time. I don't know how I got so lofty there, but I'm trying to make sense of some stuff that uh, doesn't quite make sense. Um... Best way I can think of, I don't know, if you read some Hunter S. Thompson, it might make help make sense of these topics, maybe a little better for you. I think for Thompson, it was... He wanted to see the world differently because uh, through a sober lens, it wasn't pretty. And I, th- I think what happened is he basically started using the drugs um just to cope and it eventually killed him and he killed himself so i i he's you know one of the great writers of all time so i do uh base and have a deep affection for his writings but um uh, i don't know if you should live your life that way that's all so um Yeah, I, I felt like when I've been really torn apart, either by a drug experience or some type of trauma, there was always a voice that sort of came out of it helping me. And who knows, maybe I was attempting to access that voice so that I didn't feel so alone. I think my dad had trouble with that. And my dad was always talking, so that didn't leave a whole lot of room for the voice to enter and to help him. I don't know. Okay, I think that's it. Uh, happy birthday to David H. Spivak.